Welcome to Public Policy This Week, a well-rounded weekly discussion of policy issues that frame today's American experience. Good morning. It is Friday, April 14th, and you've joined us for Public Policy This Week here on KYMN Radio. Public Policy This Week is dedicated to an honest and open discussion of public policy issues. Each week, we take a look at a specific policy subject. We have guests on the show who are experts in the fields. Uh, I'm Steve Swiggum, one of your co-hosts for this morning's show, and the gentlemen sitting next to me are my other two co-hosts today, Rich Larson and Joe Morhacek. Today we're going to step away from public policy and talk about Major League Baseball. The Twins are in New York for a series against the Yankees, so we're not headed to Target Field for a mobile broadcast, but we have the next best thing. One of the great voices in baseball comes to us. If you're like me... A baseball broadcast is best on the radio. It takes me back to my childhood, my late father working in the yard or garage with the game on in the background or friends gathered around the radio snapping gloves as we listen to the late-inning call of a game after we played sandlot ball ourselves. The great radio announcers bring the beauty and tension of the game to life, inspiring, inspiring the imagination of what it feels like to be at the game. So we are going to have a, uh, a short visit to, to uh, start off the show today, a short visit uh, with the radio voice of the Twins, Mr. Corey Provis. A native of Highland Park, Illinois, Corey attended college at Syracuse University studying at the SI Newhouse School of Public Communications. While at Syracuse, he did play-by-play and studio hosting for the Syracuse Orange Sports. During that time, he also called baseball games for the minor league Auburn Double Days of the New York Penn League. After graduating from Syracuse in 2000, Corey called collegiate football, basketball, and baseball games for the Virginia Tech Hokies, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, and the Alabama Birmingham Blazers, and then Wake Forest, the, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. He then moved on to Major League Baseball, first as a pregame host for the Chicago Cubs, where he backed up the legendary Pat Hughes, and then with the Milwaukee Brewers, where he worked alongside the even more legendary Bob Euchre. The Twins hired Corey after the 2011 season, and he is now in his 12th season as the voice of the Minnesota Twins, where he has become a fan favorite with his broadcast partner, Dan Gladden. Corey still calls college football games on the Big Ten Network and college basketball games on Fox. For my money, folks, Corey is absolutely one of the best uh, play-by-play guys in baseball, and we are very fortunate to have him calling our hometown team, where you can hear right here on KYMN because we are a Twins affiliate. Corey Probus, welcome to Public Policy this week. Hi, guys. Uh, good morning, and thank you for that uh, very kind, very kind introduction. I appreciate it. Well, we really appreciate you taking some time uh, uh, while you're. I mean, you're 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 sitting in a in a hotel room in the Big Apple. You could be doing just about anything right now, but you're taking the time to talk to us. We appreciate that. That's my pleasure. Happy to do it. All right. Um. <laughs> okay. I've got to, we, we've got some questions we want to ask you um, a, a, about the state of the game as the season gets underway. But first, I, I, I have to ask you if you've ever seen anything like the top of the first inning last night. Uh, for those who don't know, the Twins scored nine runs in the first inning, seven off of uh, Yankee starter Johnny Brito, who was pulled after two-thirds of an inning, and then uh, they added two more runs off reliever Colton Brewer. They wound up winning the game 11-2. to Corey Provost, where on earth did that offensive explosion come from? Well, the last time that that the Twins chased a starter for the Yankees in the Bronx after two-thirds of an inning was the 2017 wildcard game. 
Yes. When Brian hit a leadoff home run off Luis Severino, and then two or three batters later, Eddie Rosario homered to right, and Severino was out of the game uh, before the first inning even ended. Uh, sadly, you know, Irvin Santana gave it right back, and and, uh, and the Twins lost that game, that one game, winner-take-all wild card game in yes. 17. Yes. But I, uh, you know, the the joy, I, I can almost hear the excitement in Manhattan coming from Twins territory last night <laughs> because of how, how rare that is uh, to, to do that, period, but to do it at Yankee Stadium. And and, and Chris Atterbury, uh, my colleague on radio, he had a great point before the game last night that last night marked the first time the Twins won a series opening game at Yankee Stadium in almost nine years. Yeah, yeah. So, it has been well documented. The Twins don't play the Yankees well, regular season, postseason. So any win you can get over that team is uh, is enjoyable. Yeah. Corey, you were a little excited uh, yesterday when we went back to back to back. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, sports are fun. That's that's what I always go back to. And uh, a guy that I work with over the Big Ten Network uh, that that's what he preaches. And and I, I never forget about that. That this is this is fun. And part of what we do, uh, you know, on the air is is hopefully an escape for people who um, who have troubles, whether it be uh, in their own home, with their own lives, professionally, what have you. And if if they just need two and a half hours, three hours to escape from that and be entertained, uh, I feel like that's part of our job. Yeah. So I'm excited because it's sports, because sports are fun. And uh, and the Twins are off to a great start. What's not to be excited about? Watching uh, Joe Ryan uh, step on the mound last night. The one the, the one thing I could think of was uh, Jack Morris. Before he, uh, every start he ever made, he'd he'd uh, tell his team, "I've never blown a ten run lead, guys." <laughs> yeah, Danny, Danny talks about that all the time too. He's yeah. like, "You know, guys, I've never lost with seven. Yeah, well, there and it then is. He gives up, and he gives up seven. You know, guys, I've never lost with eight. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, Danny, Danny tells that story too with uh, with Jack. And we were talking about Jack last night because um, you know the, the Tampa Bay Rays are off to a thirteen and zero start, and that ties uh, for the best record right. to start a season in the modern era. And the only thing, only thing better than that. Was was the Jack Morris led St. Louis Maroons in 1884, <laughs> uh, and that that team got off to a 20 and 0 start. And we're talking about a you know a three man rotation in 1884, and Jack was a, was a key cog in that in that slim rotation for uh, for the Maroons back in the 1880s. Yeah, the the pride of Highland Park, which of course was a uh, a suburb of Pig's Eye, Minnesota back yep. then. Yeah. So, um, uh, I mean, so talking about pitching, I mean Joe Joe just. I mean, he threw a heck of a game last night. And really, I mean, Corey, the, the, the strength of the team this year is pitching, isn't it? Yeah, and how about that? I mean, when's the last right? time we said that? Uh, I mean, we're talking about what's been just a, just a yearly struggle uh, to just build a winning team based on pitching. And that is by far the number one headline as to why this team is off to a 9-4 and four start. The offense has been inconsistent, came up big early last night, but but the starting pitching has been remarkable. And here we are, 13 games into the season, and the Twins are getting more length from their starting staff than any team in baseball. And they finished 28th out of 30 teams in that category last year. So you know, Rocco said, Rocco Baldelli said, at the outset of camp, he wants these guys to pitch deeper into games. And so far, they're doing that. 
I think, obviously, the bulk of the reason is performance, but also maybe organizationally, looking at it a little bit differently, you know, not not pulling the plug as early as maybe we saw in the past with certain guys. Yep. So was giving these guys a longer leash, and, and the team is benefiting for it. Indeed. Corey, baseball's been around in some form in America since the 1700s, formalized in the mid-1800s. And a great part of the love for the game is its history and traditions. This season introduces some big changes to the game. A pitch timer, limits on defensive shifts and bigger bases. For our audience, can you comment on the changes to baseball? And is this good for the game? Early in, in early indications are that fans certainly like it. My my sure, it's a good question. My understanding is that this is going over overwhelmingly well. Yeah. That this been a slam dunk i'm not saying that everybody that if you pull 100 people that 100 people love what they're seeing but there's no doubt in my mind that the majority of the people are enjoying the changes to the game the players put the game in this position with a lack of action with a lack of just working in a, in a more efficient timely manner and 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 the game had to step up. Otherwise, they were going to keep dwindling in the ratings, attendance, television, radio, sponsorship sales, you name it, was going to keep plummeting. So were they aggressive changes? Yes. Were they well thought out? Yes. These were in the minor leagues the last couple of years. And, you know, Major League Baseball did a pretty thorough study with thousands of fans, different demographics all across the country. And the number one complaint was we want more action. These things take too long. We want to see more stolen bases. We want to see more balls in play. Yes. And so far we're seeing that. I mean, last night, you know, it was an 11-2 final. Even with that game, if the same score last year, there's no doubt. And that game was two hours and 20 minutes last night with an <laughs> 11-2 final. I think if you have that that same game, you played out the same way a year ago, that's still over three hours. Yeah. I think that's that's over three hours last night because of how quickly it was going in the first inning. All the time would have been called. Slow this down. Meeting after meeting, it was moving last night, even with all that offense early. Yeah, I have to say, I'm the uh, I'm the fan that would normally uh, just get enraged when they would change anything in the game at all. And I have always bought into the uh, the great romantic notion that baseball does not have a clock. I have to tell you, two weeks into the season, the pitching clock has not bothered me one little bit. And I think, and, and I'm not sure if you've been to Target Field yet to see it. It's one thing to watch it on television, but for your audience out there, you know, go to a game, you will be mesmerized just being there in person. It was for me. I was watching a game or two when I was still uh, back in the cities during spring training, wrapping up my, my BTN basketball schedule. And I saw that it was moving fast on television, but when, once I got down to Fort Myers and saw it firsthand, I was floored with how quickly the game is moving. So if you're still against it, I'm not going to criticize you, but 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 go to a game. Right. Go to a game and see it, and, and just I wonder if you feel differently after doing that. Is Byron Buxton a 30-30 player this year? 30 home runs and 30 steals. And if Buxton and Carlos Correa can stay healthy for 162 games, where do you see this club in the standings this September? I I don't think Byron will ever be a 30-30 guy because he's not at first base too often. Hmm. If you look at his career, he's not. He doesn't hit for average because he doesn't hit for singles. That's a good point. So that's why his on-base percentage is, is never on the higher side. He hits... Home runs, he hits doubles, he hits triples. Yeah. 
when he does try to steal a base, he's he's incredibly successful. But you know, Byron, even when he's been healthy, we're not talking about you know twenty five stolen bases uh, a year for that guy. So I don't think we'll ever see thirty thirty. But Byron Buxton is an incredible player. He's one of the game's bright talents, and he wasn't buying into this plan about being the primary DH because the guy wants to be in center. He was hearing about this plan from his coaching staff and the training staff and the front office, but it wasn't until early March when Carlos Correa invited him over to his house in spring training and had a four-hour dinner with, with Byron. And basically, the point of that dinner was, we need you to be our DH because we need you to play. Hmm. And I don't know how long this plan is going to be. I hope Byron's back in center here in the near future. But uh, what I do know is that if, if Byron DHing means he can play, you know, five out of seven or six out of seven or four out of five, whatever the, the ratio is, the Twins are going to be a much better team for it. For sure. And that's not saying he's not a great center fielder, Corey. He is an awesome Oh, he's center. one of the best in the game. He's a platinum glove winner. Uh, he's incredible. He's incredible. But the Michael A. Taylor trade makes, makes so much sense. I think that they had a plan. I think the front office had a plan about this in the offseason. And not just putting a guy in center, you know, to, to kind of stop the bleeding, but but go get an accomplished center fielder. And Michael A. Taylor won a gold glove two years ago. And Taylor, Taylor is good, but if I was on the mound and I look back and having Buxton in center field, I'd feel pretty comfortable, pretty good with him. No question. No question. Yeah, no question. Corey, Major League Baseball this year has made a significant change in its scheduling. We've gone from that so-called on-balance schedule where we would get to see the Tigers and the Indians 50, 60 times a year, whatever it was, uh, to a more balanced schedule where we actually will get to see the Padres and we'll get to see the Dodgers and we'll get to see you know every every team, I think, uh, this year in Major League Baseball. Uh, positive change, you think, or not positive? Uh, you like the idea of the balanced schedule? Yeah, I think it's a wonderful idea. I mean, 19 games against the against the Guardians, the White Sox, the Royals, and the Tigers was boring. Because there were times throughout the season where you'd have a stretch where you'd play 8 out of 11 against the same team. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not fun. That's not fun for anybody. Um, it's really hard on, on relievers because relievers only have so many pitches. They're going to see these same guys in a short amount of time. It's going to make it you know pretty challenging. But I, again, I think for the fans, we want to see everybody. The fact that at least every other year, Atlanta is going to come to town. So that means that Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzie Albies are going to be a target field. Or the Padres are going to be a target field every other year to see Manny Machado and Juan Soto and that great team. That, to me, is fantastic. Conversely, in the summer months, if you're a family and you want to get away and see the Twins on the road, every other year you can pack up the family you know, make it a long road trip, head out to Dodger Stadium, uh, maybe a place you've never been before. So I, I love the idea. The one wrinkle that, I, that I'm concerned about, and I have not heard an answer on this yet, is that I'm just going to give you a hypothetical because it doesn't matter. The Twins play the Rockies the last three games of the year. But let's say that the Twins and the Rockies were starting a series in Colorado on Monday. And the weather forecast looked good Monday, okay Tuesday, Wednesday looked like a problem. I just hope that there's enough thinking going on that they're a little bit proactive on the front end to either play a doubleheader or move start times around because what's going to happen is off days are going to disappear quickly 
and you're going to have stretches where you're going to be playing, you know, 32 games in in 29 days because you have to make up a game here and make up a game here and maybe fly cross country. So I just hope there's some thinking on the front end of these series, uh, especially places you only go one time as opposed to a divisional series. Maybe you can make it up with the White Sox or, or Royals when you go back. But I hope on the front end that if they see that that the forecast isn't looking good for a certain day, that you're proactive and either remove the start time or or try to get two in one day. Corey, do you think, uh, you know, this is just pure speculation, but with, with the way the schedule has now been set up and, and the way the rules are and there's, there's a, a designated hitter now in the National League, do you think baseball is setting things up to completely restructure the the divisions or maybe even just get get away from divisions and, and, and possibly even the American League and National League and divide things up a little more regionally, a little more differently? I, I think realignment will happen, but not until, you know, baseball figures out what's happening with Tampa Bay and Oakland. Yeah. You know, yeah. once once their their franchises have some clarity as to if they're staying in those markets, if so, where are they playing? Stadium, new stadium, new ballparks. So until that gets resolved, and it's been an ongoing process, there seems to be a finish line for Tampa Bay. If I read correctly in spring training, the owner of the Rays said that they're basically giving, you know, uh, I think the mayor of St. Petersburg and maybe even the mayor of, of Tampa to kind of come to a resolution by the end of the year. And if that doesn't happen, then I think they're going to their lease is up. I believe at Tropicana Field at the end of 2027. They'll probably start to think about where where their next home is going to be. I'd be shocked at this point if Oakland stays there. It's too bad because, you know, Oakland's fans are awesome. And I don't blame the fans one bit for not going to to even cheer on that team because that that owner has given that fan base no chance to be a competitive team. It's an embarrassing payroll that they have. Uh, The stadium is is, is terrible. We all know what the Coliseum is. It's just run down and and awful. But their fans are great when they're – when their ownership gives them a chance to be competitive. So I think realignment will happen, but not until, you know, Major League Baseball resolves what, what the future is for the A's and the Rays. And, you know, Las Vegas is ready to build uh, yep. uh, the, the A's, a ballpark right on the strip, and, and a, a, a pretty nice ballpark, too. And, you know, what what's going to be fascinating for me with the Rays, I mean, the Rays are off to, to this, well, if they win today, it's an historic start for, for sure. If they if they're the class of baseball this year, if they win the like, how, is that going to affect uh, attendance for that god awful ballpark in in Tampa where you you even can't even get to it? Is it going to help Tampa at all? To I mean, yesterday yesterday they had they had twenty one thousand there for their game okay. um, yesterday, which which was awesome for them. That yeah. that's a really good turnout uh, for Tampa Bay. You know, they've had good teams in the past, yeah. and they just don't come out. I, I can't tell you how often the Twins have gone down there at various points in the year, and then the Rays have either been in first place, second place, and there's still, you know, 4,000 people there at that game. Uh, Florida's a tough sell for baseball. The Twins were just in Miami mm-hmm. uh, to play the Marlins. You know, that ballpark was built with public, you know, financing, and nobody goes. Um, mm-hmm. The crowds they had for the WBC were incredible. But but Florida baseball is a tough sell. It's a, it's a very transient state. Um, you know, people move down there for the weather. They're from other areas, so they are they diehard Marlin fans, they diehard Rays fans. Not saying they don't have their pocket of uh, passionate fans, but that I think is a big part of why it's a pretty tough sell to sell baseball day in day out in the state of Florida. Corey, uh, baseball 
more than any other sport, seems to be about personalities. There's personalities that we'll talk about all day or all night or having a beer or out to lunch. Uh, it could be Mickey. It could be Willie. It could be Kirby or it could be Herbie. Uh, but it's about personalities, not only on the field, but also in the broadcasting uh, booth. Uh, you've worked with a couple of really uh, unique, ideal personalities. Uh, can you give us your best Bob Euchre story? <laughs> I mean, I got, I have so many, and there's a, there's some that I'm not, I can never share because I lose. <laughs> but uh, you know, among my favorites, and so Pat Hughes worked with Bob Euchre for for 12 years, from 1984 to 1996, before Pat moved to uh, to Chicago to, to call the Cubs games, and and Pat's going into the Hall of Fame um, this summer, which is which is incredible. And so when I got the job in, in Milwaukee. And I just had left Pat and ran Ron Sano for two years with the Cubs. And I was asking Pat about Bob, uh, about how do I know when, when it's going well, that, that, that he enjoys my company and, this is, and our relationship is off to a good start. And he said, oh, you'll know. I said, how? He said, the second that you're live on the air and he makes you laugh uncontrollably and you have to keep going <laughs> – and a few months into my first season with Bob's, this was 2009, uh, that happened. We're playing, the Brewers are playing a series in Cincinnati. And there's some kind of event happening on the field pregame. There's all this great music and dancing and these vibrant colors. And it was very festive. And there was this one performer that this, this woman had this, this towering, imagine Marge Simpson, but instead of the blue hair, it was like every piece of produce imaginable, right? It was like a two-foot tower, three-foot tower of produce, right, on her head. And I don't know how she did it. It was incredible talent. She was dancing and singing. And so she sang the national anthem this particular day. And so when we were on the road, at, when we were at home, the way that, that Bob wanted the format, we the national anthem would be sung while we're in commercial break. But we're on the road, we don't have that same flexibility with the timing. So there'd be times you carry – all of it, some of it, the last few bars. So this particular day in Cincinnati, so how it would go to in our format, if we took it out of the anthem, Bob would take it out, name, give the, the, the performer's name, and then throw it to me for the starting lineups. And then after the starting lineups, I had a few sponsor things I had to get through, and then I would go to break one more time. So this particular day in Cincinnati, uh, we carry the last few bars of the national anthem, and, and this lady is, is singing and doing a fine job. So every previous time, we'd hear the last few notes, and Bob would say the, the person's name and throw it to me. But for some particular reason, as the, as the anthem ended, he pauses, and he says, the Chiquita Banana with our anthem, the lineups, here's Corinth. And, and I just could not keep it together. I just had the hardest. I was not expecting that one bit. <laughs> and I'm I'm trying to get through it. I'm having I'm having the darndest time getting through it. And he's live. He keeps his mic on. He's like, "You okay? You all right? What's wrong?" <laughs> and just so that that's one of my favorites because it's probably the one of my the earlier uh, memories with with Bob. But another one we had that was really funny. So Bob is the greatest pitch man in in history. And so Usinger Sausage uh, is a big sponsor with the Brewers, and Bob has his own brat that you can get at that at a local store, and all the proceeds benefit the Make a Wish Foundation, uh, as Mr. Baseball brought. 
So he's reading uh, a card about using yours, and what Bob is so good, he has the card, but he never uses it. He just kind of ad-libs on his own. And uh, so he's talking about, you know, this using your sausage and the pretzel bun and the crisp kraut. Mm-hmm. It's tasty. It's the heart of Wisconsin. Uh, Mr. Baseball brought from Usinger's. And so we get back to the game. He said, you know, Cor, you know, the best thing about uh, uh, the, the Usinger's brought is that you don't even need a grill to cook it. I said, really, Bob? Yeah, it's like, no, sometimes just pop that thing in your cigarette lighter. Take a bite and you'll be fine. <laughs> like, like a month later, we get a letter in the booth. <laughs> Some fan that is upset that his car is in the shop <laughs> put a cold brat in his sick lighter and there's some damage and he wants Bob and I to pay for it. Oh, so, that's hilarious. Just, so those those kind of things, you know, pop up and, you know, I, I probably, Danny and Kyle in the booth are probably tired, but I, I do it, I, I, I do it like my Bob impression every day. I'm like, <laughs> if the if the twins lose, you know, and not on the air, but I'll be like, all right, we'll try again tomorrow, folks. And just, uh, just, just things like that. I just um, that enjoy doing. And uh, every every once in a while, too, if the right situation was there, I, I'd throw out a major league line. You know, just I'd be like, a bit outside. We'd be, we'd be and I'd be like, you know, Bob, we just got one hit. We only got one. You can't sound. Nobody's listening. So we would have that. Uh, we, we would have that back and forth a little bit. Corey, you've been a joy to have. I know you have a meeting to go there in the Big Apple right now, and you're going to get us another. Well, we don't play today, do we? We play tomorrow. Yeah, we play. Today. Um, give us a little bit of your crystal ball here as we finish up with you. Uh, crystal ball for the season. Uh, can we win the Central uh, American League pennant? Uh, do you see a 1987, 1981 happening again? 1991. Uh, I'd excuse to, me. I'd love to. I, I I learned a long time ago. I can't I can't predict wins. I, I I don't know how people do it. I can't tell if they're going to win 85 games, 95 games. I have no idea. It depends on health. If these guys stay healthy, they have a great chance to be in the playoffs. There's nothing. There's no reason why they can't win this division. Um, they have this. The starting staff has been incredible, and they're going to have injuries. But, you know, Louis Varlin and Bailey Ober and Simeon Woods-Richardson, they're in St. Paul. I feel like they have better depth to fill in with the pitching than maybe they've had in the past. So I feel really good about that. Uh, I'm not as confident in in bullpen depth beyond what they have. Uh, If they suffer some injuries in the bullpen, which is inevitable, you know, beyond, you know, the guys at AAA, I think that might be an area of concern right now that I have. But, uh, position player-wise, seeing Eddie Julian come up is impressive. We're gonna a great first Lewis game. Again. Great yeah, first game we're gonna, for him. We're going to see Royce Lewis again this season, which is awesome. He look, he looks really strong coming back from his second knee injury. And we'll see some other guys as well. Maybe Brooks Lee uh, mm-hmm. makes a cameo at some point this year as well, former first-round pick. So I, I like the team, but it just, it just boils down to, to, to staying healthy and letting these guys compete throughout the uh, the six-month season. You mentioned Royce Lewis. Is he scheduled to be ready by All-Star break game? Maybe. I mean, he's he's going to be cleared to start playing in some games here any day now. Mid-April was the uh, was the time frame when, when Royce was going to be cleared to start playing in, in, in minor league games and rehabbing games. So it's going to be a... It's going to be a path to get him back, and, and then we'll see where he plays. Um, yeah, I'm sure he's going to play mostly at short, but with Correa, they're going to play him some at third, some at second, uh, move him around a little bit there just for the time being. But uh, he he is he looks strong. He looks really good just from watching him in spring training. Uh, he's a positive, positive kid. And if anybody can come back from back-to-back ACL tears, uh, he, he's the guy that can do it. 
All right. Corey Provis, we can't just can't thank you enough for taking a little time and uh, talking with us today. I, uh, I hope you uh, enjoy that meeting in New York City, sir, and uh, you bring us home a win tonight. All right, guys. I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on your show. Take thank care. You, Corey. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks, Corey. And that is Corey Provis, the, uh, the, uh, the voice of the Minnesota Twins, who can be heard right here on KYMN Radio uh, every Twins game. But there'll be one tonight at 6.05. So rich, rich. Oh, go ahead, Joe. No, I was going to say, guys. You know, I grew up in Southeast Wisconsin. Worked, yeah. worked there. I knew Corey back. I didn't know Corey, but I yeah. I listened to Corey back in his days when he first was with the Cubs, and then later the Brewers. Right. Uh, Pat Hughes. He talked a little bit about Pat Hughes and Ron Santo. Wonderful radio team. And it was at that time in Corey's career that he would open up for the Cubs broadcast yeah. and then finish the broadcast. And then he'd yeah. sub a little bit before he got his first big break with the Brewers. But you could tell back then he was going to be a wonderful baseball announcer. And he's, he's really good. He is very good to listen to. You know, when you're, when you're out there and doing the, the yard work or the field work, bailing yeah. hay, yeah. or, or just, to, <laughs> just to have the game on the background. You, you don't even have to be paying attention. Right. Just to have a, it's a comfort. It's a comfort in your life. Steve, I don't watch baseball on TV. I listen to it. That's my preferred way of – I love the, uh, the imagination part of it. And that's why we love you here, Joe Marabczyk. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm telling you, man, I, I much prefer to listen to a game, and I – that's the way I spend summers with that radio on in the background. I, I will tell you, you know, I, I worked in the Twins ticket office for 14 years, and um, I got to during those 14 years, I actually got to watch very little uh, baseball because I was always at the ballpark or I was yeah. driving home from the ballpark. Uh, when you're at the ballpark, they they pipe the uh, the radio broadca- broadcast in, and then driving home, I'd be, I. I, I Far and away, I prefer listening to, to baseball on the radio than, than watching it on TV. There's nothing, though, there's nothing as good as actually going to the ballpark. Yes. So, yeah. so Rich, uh, since Corey had to leave us early to go to the media yeah. up there, and we understand that, we appreciate having him for a half hour. Um, I had this idea that amongst the three of us, <laughs> and maybe amongst your listening uh, audience sure. as well here at Kim Radio, um, we'd, we'd do a little game here. Uh, okay. I, uh, I thought we'd talk about the uh, first of all the all-time Twins positions, all-time okay. Twins team. Okay, whether we could agree on that, we can agree on Puckett in center field. <laughs> actually, <laughs> actually, I, I I would put him in right, but but that's we'll talk okay. about this. Well, we'll do, you're trying to get another player in there somehow. You guys uh, know I'm a Brewers fan, right? We yeah, know yeah. that. Okay. We, 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 you, you can give not, us your all Brewers team. That's I can fine. give you the '82 team right now. I I'm, can recite I'm sure that you right could now. see Brewers, uh, Wisconsin. Yes, sir. <laughs> we, Rich, we can speak slower if we yeah, okay. need to. Okay, all right, to, yeah. <laughs> to, to so maybe put, a, put a, a, a beer stein in front of him so he can actually relate a little bit better. Yeah. So after the uh, – here's what we're going to do with the audience so that Kim listeners can, can um, know what's coming forward. We're going to do the all-time Twins team. Then I'm going to ask you for your two favorite, two favorite Twins moments in life, okay. in history. Just, just two. Um. And then uh, maybe just I have just a couple of trivia questions for you okay. at the end of that. Okay. So, are, are you going to answer your own questions too? Uh, sure. Good. Sure. Good. Good. Okay. So uh, let's start with the all-time Twins team. And you're right. not going to put Puckett in center field. That's, that's like heresy. Oh, I'm going to put Puckett in right. No question. Kirby, Kirby was a, 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 an all-time great. So where are you going to put Oliva then? Uh, well, do I get a de- designated hitter? 
Yes. Okay. Then he's my designated hitter. Okay. All right. Here. So, so what I've got, I've got, I've got Puckett in right. I've got Byron Buxton in center field, and I've got Tory Hunter in left field. Mm-hmm. So, I, yes, I'm taking three center fielders, but but you know, come at me. Um, I, at, at third base, I have Gary Gaetti. Where are you going to put Kilbrew? At second base, I have Rod Carew. At first base. I have Harmon Killebrew. My catcher, I never got to see him play, but I, I, I know enough to, t- to say that Earl Batty is, is my catcher. This guy hasn't watched baseball in Minnesota for a long time. Oh, there's wow. A, there's a guy by the name of Joe Maurer out yeah. there that he's not going to play. Oh, you, we could talk about this because I, I, I fam- I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that Joe Maurer, a fantastic catcher, overrated. MVP. Overrated. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I just I Joe was a was a great ball player, but he did not he did not reach his potential because he didn't have, in my opinion, the competitive fire to to push himself to to the he could have been he could have been Johnny Bench. And I did. This is a I guy never, who could have played big time basketball, football. big time football, yeah. and obviously was the best catcher the Twins ever had. Uh, well, okay, <laughs> <laughs> but he could have been better, and that's the thing, Steve. That's the thing that just sticks in my craw with Joe. Okay, left hand pitcher, a lefty. Oh, left hand. Oh, give me Cot. Jim, you Cott. got it. You have yeah. Kitty Cot without yeah. Yeah. without yeah. question. Absolutely. Right hand pitcher. Now this is this is another controversial. Uh, uh, pick, but, but if you, you give me one Twins pitcher to win one game, you're going to go Morris right now. But you can't go Morris over Blylevin. I'm oh, I absolutely can. I'm going to take Jack Morris and that that split finger fastball all day over Burt Bly, Blylevin. Oh man, <laughs> oh. Joe, add, add, straighten him out, would you? Well, I can only I only know eight or ten yeah. Twins players. Okay, well then there so- must be the eight or ten top players all time. Well, I know Killebrew and Carew. Uh, how how long was Molitor with you guys? I mean, wasn't he a DH? He, he, he was probably only with us for maybe four. Two, I was going to say two or three. Yeah, but yeah. Great player, you know. Right, right. Without question, Hall of Fame. But you got to put him back in the Brewers. Yeah, he's definitely a, a Brewer. Yeah, well, he's Hall a Brewer. Fame, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, remember those days with Molitor and Yount in that infield? Oh my oh, yes. goodness, man! Just yeah, wonderful teams. That '82 team. Tell us that, about that ADT that, team for a second. Let's, let, let's let Steve calm down here for a second. <laughs> I'm ready to come over the uh, table at Rich when he when he wouldn't put Mauer uh, in his catcher. Yeah. And, and uh, what was he? I'm, I'm slipping right now, but well, the other one, oh, Blylevin. Yeah. Well, you guys have your World Series victories. Yes, we do. Was it 91? Yep. 91, 87. Okay, well, the Brewers don't have a World Series victory. Right. I think they were first a team in 1970. Of course, you would remember the Braves, Steve, before that. But the Brewers came to town in about 70. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Henry Aaron teams. Yeah, I, Eddie Matthews, I remember yes, them all. Yes, uh, But also the Brewers have never won a World Series, but the 82 team went seven games with St. Louis mm-hmm. before ultimately losing. Because that's but, when the Brewers were in the American League. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They moved to the NL in 98. Okay. an American League team up until then. And that 82 team was the magical year. Tell us. Okay, give us that lineup. You guys know I don't have any notes. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Cooper at first, Gantner at second, Robin Yellen at short, Molitor at third, 
Ogilvy and left. What an infield. Wow. Yeah, think about yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, Phil Gantner. Well, yeah. Simmons would be catching, or Yost, probably Simmons mostly. Ogilvy and left. Charlie Moore and right. Mark Bruhard, maybe. Uh, center field would have been Gorman Thomas. Gorman Thomas. And then Vukovic on the mound and McClure. Uh, and, uh, Sutton, you guys might remember Sutton. Raleigh Fingers closing Fingers, out those games. Yeah, yeah. the end of his career. You know, they had probably had 14 pitchers. I can, that's about all I can do right yeah. now. But That's pretty good. That, that was a and that I was old. Go, I can go back to the 94, uh, in 54, 55, 56 Braves and, and name them all. <laughs> can you really? I think so. Okay, yeah. let's go. Oh, boy, I'm going to try <laughs> well, well, were you a Braves? You had to no, be a Braves fan before a Twins no, fan. No, it was on the radio. One of the only radio stations we could get at that time sure. were the Braves. So yes. we in, in at least eastern Minnesota here mostly listened to the Braves. Uh, Del Crandall, I think, was the uh, catcher. Joe Adcock at uh, first base. Johnny Logan at short. Eddie Matthews, of course, in, yep. uh, at third. Uh, uh, you had Aaron, uh, Billy Bruton. And Covington, I think, running the outfield. Is is Hank Aaron the best right fielder of all time in your in your mind? Uh, he's the best hitter. He's not the best right fielder. How how can you not think of Roberto Clemente? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that was a loaded question. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and you 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 passed the test, Steve. Well done. Okay. Roberto Clemente is the best right fielder of all with, time. With, he, but he but, ran. He was soft. He threw it on a dime. Uh, yes. He yes. threw it on a dime. An arm. He yeah. should have been a pitcher. Is what he should have right, been. Right. Right. But, so let's go back, though, okay. before yeah, I go on yeah. to the second part of my question. Yes. Um, Rich sitting across from me, and I wish we had callers to, to, I do to, too. to substantiate my position. <laughs> <laughs> because there's no doubt it would have been Maurer and Blylevin okay. uh, as the catcher and the right-hand pitcher. Oh, we right. missed one, by the way, relief pitcher. Um, well, I, I got to take Rick Aguilera as Aggie, my closer. Aggie was good, but second. Okay. In your mind? Joe Nathan. Joe Nathan. Wow, I love Joe Nathan. I, I Aguilera, though, you know, both of those guys, like every save they ever had, two quick outs, give up a hit or a walk, and then get the third out. Um, the difference in my mind is that Aguilera went to the World Series with the Twins. That's true. Yeah. He did. He was there, but Nathan was awesome. He was fantastic. He was he was very very good. Yes, he was. All right, hey, hold on. You brought up a really interesting point. And that is, you listened, you fell in love with a Braves team because Braves. that's who you could listen to. Yeah. When I was growing up in Southern Wisconsin, farm country, mm-hmm. uh, we had the Brewers when I was a kid, but we also had the Cubs. That's those were the teams we could listen to. So when we were dividing up teams in the Sandlot. Yeah. The American League team was the Brewers and the. National League team was the Cubs because we identified the, with those teams that we could listen to on the radio. Yeah. You guys remember Harry Carey and oh, Jack man. Harry Carey. How do you Steve not, Stone? How do you forget Harry Carey? Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. So those are the names we grew up with. So you're making the but, point about baseball on the radio again. Well, that? yes. And, well, did you have a team before the – you would have been twins. Would have been your. Team I, I, I've been uh, yeah. The twins showed up eight years before I was born, so I'm, okay. I'm a Twins fan. Died in the wool. Yeah. I got you guys by a couple of decades. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I really, Steve, I want to hear your, your all-time Twins team. Oh, well, uh, we hit, you hit most of them. Okay. But I would have gone like this. I'd have gone Puckett in center because yeah. he's a center fielder. Sure. Hunter in left. I'd have moved Hunter left. Yep. Oliva in right. Okay. Uh, three, I think, without question, outfielders. Herbick at first. Mm-hmm. Crew at second. Um, Mauer catching. Mauer catching. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cott, left-hand pitcher. 
uh, Bly Levin, right-handed pitcher. Joe Nathan, uh, Killebrew at third. But I had to put him at third, even okay. though he didn't yep. play there yeah. a lot. But yeah. I had to put him at third. Right. And uh, shortstop would probably surprise you. Zoilo Versalis. Well, and, and you know, I didn't give you a shortstop. I'm just realizing this just now. Oh. And I, I never got to see Zoilo play. Obviously, I mean, he was the 1965 MVP mm-hmm. in a pretty important year for the Twins. That was the first year the Twins went to the the uh, the World Series. Yeah. Um, f- I have to say Greg Gagne. Oh, Gagne, sure. You know, yeah. I, I, defensively, I, I, without having seen Zoilo play, Greg Gagne is the best uh, defensive shortstop this team has ever had. Yeah. And he, he would hit enough to uh, keep things interesting. You're dating yourself as to your youth, yeah. your, your young age. That is the, the nicest thing anyone will the, say to me the, all day long. Those <laughs> of us who are more chronologically gifted, Rich, <laughs> we'll, we'll go over Sally's. Okay. So we agree bit. on six or maybe seven yeah. out of ten positions. Right, right. Uh, no, 11 with the relief pitcher. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, yeah, we can make that work, Steve. Boy, over a beer, we'd have a knockdown drive. I, I would love to do that, to have that Bauer conversation with you sometime. Okay, Absolutely. now, Steve, you played baseball. Oh, yes, yeah. you what, did. What position? At St. Uh, Olaf, wasn't it? Uh, St. At Dundas, too. Okay. I played at Dundas. So, played so that would have been town. the home talent? Yeah, we we, uh, we won a couple of state tournaments there at, at Dundas. Had some wonderful ball players. Not myself, but uh, <laughs> uh, we had some wonderful pl- ball players out of Dundas. Uh, Who did you play so, with, with the Dukes? Oh, the Olsen brothers, yeah. uh, Lou and the late Jay, mm-hmm. uh, great players. Billy Nelson, uh, Billy, great, great pitcher, uh, lives out in Dundas. He was co- uh, coach at the Carlton baseball team, yeah. Carlton uh, college baseball team. Billy, great pitcher, very, very competitive. If you want to find somebody competitive, it was Billy Nelson. Yeah, I, I don't uh, doubt that. He, uh, I remember Billy also said, they're not going to hit the first pitch from me out of the park. So we always threw a curveball down and low, all over the way. <laughs> they were never going to hit the first one out. And uh, there were Johnsons, there were Swiggums, the Fuchs brothers from uh, from Faribault. Uh, sure. Jimmy and Dougie Fuchs, great, great ball players. So, so we, had, we had some pretty nice ball players yeah. uh, in the Cannon Valley back at that what time. What position did you play? A right field. So, uh, okay, now you ready for just a touch of trivia? I can I, do this. I think, I think this is true. I think. Okay. Now, at least it's close enough for government work. Well, it's, close <laughs> enough, it's close enough for baseball talk. Let me ask you guys something first. Name yeah. me the uh, two. Oh, na- oh you're going to ask something first? No, I want to know if there should be an asterisk, asterisk yeah. next to the World Series wins because of the ballpark the no, Twins played no. in. no. Oh, Are you kidding? You Tell can me stand so. right up and walk right out of the studio. Tell me right that's now. not the worst no, park you've ever been in. It, it's a was a Metrodome was a terrible park, yeah. but you don't put an asterisk <laughs> next to Joe Morris and uh, Dan Gladden. No, you you don't. Ken it, Herbeck. It, it was I'm, I'm it pulling was, your ears. Okay, it was from a, now on, it's just well, you and I. Right, right, right Steve. Exactly. We're just going to talk about Joe Mauer and how great he was. <laughs> no, it was a god awful ballpark. Yeah, uh, and and it was you know I remember uh, more than one person. Uh, smarter than me would say this is the best home field advantage probably in all the professional sports hmm. because the dome the color the, the, was the same color as the baseball and so it was really tough to play defense in yeah. that. but you you take advantage of your ballpark every team does that and that's we just that's what we did i do remember how loud it would get in there oh it would get loud, yeah. it would get loud. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Okay, some quick questions. Uh, first of all, uh, I think this is true, by the way. So okay. don't, don't don't check on me, please. <laughs> Somebody, one of the Kim radio radio listeners, please don't check. There'll be a give me the uh, two. Now you're going to have to put your thinking caps on. Okay. The two northern 
latitude mm-hmm. to northernmost cities, cities that have hosted a World Series. The two northernmost cities that have hosted a World Series. Uh, Minneapolis is one of them. Minneapolis is correct. 87 and, and 91. 91. Has Seattle ever hosted a World Series? No. I don't think so. No, they have not. Um, Milwaukee has. Detroit. Montreal never did. Or Detroit. Toronto. Toronto's south of Minneapolis. You guys are thinking too hard. Oh, okay. It's easier. Boston? Uh, uh, no. No? Okay, can I give you uh, some clues? Oh, sure. Uh, 1965. Okay, that's Los Angeles and Minnesota. 1965 World Series. The cities were? Los Angeles and Minneapolis. Los Angeles and? St. Paul? Los Angeles and? I don't know. Minneapolis, Minnesota. Bloomington. 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 Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> two northernmost uh, cities. So it's going to be Bloomington and Minneapolis. Minneapolis right, because Bloomington, Bloomington, of course, the, was the home the of so, the old Mets Sorry, city. Sorry about that. Ah, that's good. No, that's good. <laughs> you tried, to, you tried okay. to make it a little harder than it is. All right. You've already talked about the two World Series in 87 and in 91. How many people were trying to dial their phone, <laughs> <laughs> phone number? There, there, there were people screaming Bloomington at their radios right there. <laughs> okay, give me the 87, 1987 World Series MVP. The World Series MVP of 1987 was Frank Viola. And his nickname is? Sweet Music. Sweet Music. You have it. Okay. How about uh, 1991 MVP? I'll tell you who the MVP was and who it should have been. It was my great hero, Jack Morris. You got it. It should have been Kirby. Uh, Boy. Yeah, and you're leading me both into further questions. Okay. Best, but yes, uh, it was Jack Morris. Yes. Uh, didn't he pitch the first and the seventh, right? Well, he, I think he pitched the, uh, I, I want to say he pitched game four too, and and that one didn't go as well. But but Morris, just on, on game seven in 1991, won that World Series MVP, which one of the best pitch games in history. What was the first year that the World Series was played indoors? Um, I think I know this, but I'll let Joe take a crack at it first. We talked about it a little 1987. bit. 1987. 87. Yeah. 87 was the first time it was played. I was indoors. just trying to scan the various yeah. stadiums that have <laughs> domes, right? I, yeah. So, and what year, uh, Rich, what year, since you're getting all the answers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. What, what year did the Minnesota Twins come to Minnesota? 1961. 61. Who did they play in that first game? Oh, first game. Uh, I would, I'm going to say they played the, the White Sox. They played I, the New York Yankees. The Yankees. It was uh, Roger Maris's first game of 1961 when he would go on. Did he hit one out? I don't think so. Because wasn't that the year, 61, that, was the that year. he and Maris and Mantle went to yep. 59, 60, 61? Yeah, yeah. And it, I, 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 t- I think that if Mickey had stayed healthy, he might have actually uh, outperformed Maris that season. But yeah, that was that, I, I don't know if he hit one or not, but that was Maris' first uh, game of the, the fabled 1961 season. Okay. And it so happened they, in Bloomington. So they would have played in Bloomington from 61 till about... When was 80, when did the Metrodome come? The uh, Metrodome opened in 82. Okay. So 61 to 81, they played in, uh, at the Met. I will and, say this. And I, guys, I voted for that too. 
<laughs> that's how old I am as I'm born for, for, for the metronome. For, 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 for the folks who are, are, are listening, before we started uh, talking with uh, uh, Corey Provost on the air, uh, Steve took all the credit for getting a target field built. And so I just <laughs> want to say thank you, Mr. Swigum, for that. <laughs> no, I take yeah. no credit, but I was Speaker of the Year. But yeah, that, well, you uh, voted for it, did. right? Uh, yes. And, and you made sure that vote happened, right? Uh, yes. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Swigum. I'll and say this. I'm I glad. To, I went to the House floor. With the votes. Okay. You got you, When you go to the floor, you got to have the votes. My man. All right. I'm glad they're playing baseball outside. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I think they should have, the football team should have put a retractable dome on mm-hmm. for those September and October mm-hmm. wonderful mm-hmm. Minnesota fall days. They could days, have done but, it, too. Uh, yeah, I'm really glad they're playing baseball outside. 1991 World Series, one in the seventh game, which, as you talked about, uh, Jack Morris. Mm-hmm. But who was the hitter? Who was the batter who hit the single to win the game. I know this. I only know a few games. I'm going to say Puckett. It was Gene Larkin. Who scored the winning run? Gene Larkin. Uh, Dan Gladden. Dan Gladden. Exactly right. Okay. Okay. So are you ready for now? The second part of the question is your two favorite, two most memorable Minnesota twin Times what moments? Can, can, can Joe have two brewer? To, he can brewer have two brewer. Okay, moments. two yeah. brewer. Moments. Like, we've got to remind the audience that I I've got the old baseball glove logo baseball cap yeah. for the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. So I'm I'm guessing at Kim here in southeastern Minnesota. Mm-hmm. We we have a couple of Brewers fans. I'm yeah, sure. I think that's okay. Yeah, that's yeah, okay. Yeah, we go. So what, Joe? What are your what are your favorite moments from the Brewers? Certainly the the '82 team, yeah. the World Series team. That was a real thrill for us yeah. kids growing up to see the Brewers play St. Louis in that. And you know what? They, the, I believe the Brewers won the first game ten zip, mm-hmm. and then lost the series in seven games. Yeah. But that was certainly a thrill. the The thrill for me, though, growing up was really the broadcast. I mean, it was really neat to talk to Corey today. He mm-hmm. was a part of Brewers history as an announcer. But we had guys like Bob Euchre and Merle Harmon and Pat yeah. Hughes, who's now with yeah. the Cubs. So a lot of the special moments were me and my friends after playing games ourself, ourselves listening to the Brewers at night around the radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rich, your two favorite moments? Well, first of all, I feel like I have to explain myself to you, Steve, because <laughs> in 1987... <laughs> I was um, both a, a senior in high school and a, a freshman at St. Olaf College. And that baseball season, I was too self-involved to pay enough attention to the Twins to really enjoy the, uh, the, the full championship season, right? So for me, my favorite Twins team is the 91 team. Um, and so my best memory is uh, Jack Morris in, in, in Game 7 of, of the 91 series. Uh, that that I will never forget hanging on every single pitch, and he just made pitch after pitch after pitch, and the way his defense would play behind him when he would actually give up a like actually put something in play even um, he, Morris was that that was that was the best I've ever, Mem- I've ever memorable seen. moment. Yeah, exactly. How would uh, let me follow up on your first memorable moment? Yes. How would you have liked to have been manager Tom Kelly walking out to that mound in the 10th inning with Jack Morris on the mound? Uh, no. No. <laughs> no, thank you. I, I'm sure that conversation was short. I'm sure it didn't go well. Yeah. I'm sure it yeah. didn't go well very well. And I, I don't know that this be true, but I think I remember Jack Morris just turning his back to him. Yep. 
and saying, get the hell out of here. Get, get off my mound. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that was it. Now, my second is, this is a very personal uh, story because it doesn't have to do actually do, to do with a game. Um, but I, like I said, I used to work for the Twins. And uh, there was a year, long time ago, we were still in the Dome, uh, Twins Fest. We were, we were finishing up Twins Fest that year. And part of my job was to uh, uh, take, out, take care of all the, the computer equipment and, and get it all back up to the, the, uh, the ticket office. There was an elevator, a legendary elevator in the Metrodome. Steve, I, you might know a little bit about this. That was just slower than molasses in January. It was, it was just awful. And you, 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 but you had to use it for the big heavy equipment. And, but you never, if, they, if the door was going to close while you were trying to get down this long hallway, uh, I mean, you had to scream at people, hey, hold the door, hold the door. Mm-hmm. All right, so I've got all my equipment in the, in the elevator, and the door is closing, and I hear, hold the door, hold the door. And I stop, and I, I, I let whoever's coming in, and it's three kids and Harmon Killebrew. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd had a couple interactions with Mr. Killebrew, but not you know, not, nothing memorable. And he looked at me and said, thanks, Rich. And that, that was it. That's as, that's as good as it get, right? Harvard Killebrew knew my name. That was as good as it got right there. As you guys probably know, uh, uh, at the legislature, we would open up every session with a, with a prayer. Mm-hmm. We'd open up with a prayer. So opening season might have been 2003. It might have been 2004. I had both um, Killebrew and Kirby. Oh, wow. To the Capitol, up at the podium, to say the opening prayer of the day. It was pretty, neat, pretty special. Very cool. So, I, Rich, I agree with you with the one Jack Morris memorable mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. But the other memorable one I'm going to bring up for you, again, part of, uh, part of uh, Minnesota memory, and I'm sure every baseball fan in the state remembers this, Game 6 of the t- 1991 World yeah. Series. Yeah. And the bottom of the ninth, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Bottom of the ninth. Yeah. Kirby hits one out to deep left center. It's gone. It's gone. gone. Who's the national uh, broadcaster? And oh, what Joe does he Buck. say? Uh, Joel no, or Jack? It, oh, sorry, Jack Buck. Right? It was yeah. Jack, Buck, Jack yeah. Buck. And what was his line? And we'll see, see you tomorrow. Tomorrow night. That's all he said. The nine. Nothing else. The nine best words in baseball. We'll see you tomorrow night. Yep. Well, guys. I, I, don't, I, I don't know about the listeners, but I've enjoyed the heck out of this last hour. Yeah. <laughs> this well, I think really we should fun. thank the Kim listeners for letting us do this. Indulging us. This, was been, the, this has been really fun. For the Brewer fan, am I right? <laughs> for the wrong place, <laughs> Twins fans cross from me. You and I are going to have a couple of beers this summer. We're going to talk about this, Steve. All right, folks. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, next week on Public Policy This Week, we'll get back to the uh, the important and serious stuff. But for, until then, enjoy the uh, the rest of your beautiful Friday and have a superb weekend. Take care. You've been listening to Public Policy This Week. Tune in every Friday morning at 10 a.m. for more conversation with policy experts. Remember, this show can be found on your favorite podcast platform or stream it from kymnradio.net.